is taken up to heaven, a chorus of angels exalts. with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Mary set out and went as quickly as she could to a town in the hill country of Judah. She went into Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. Now as soon as Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leapt in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. She gave a loud cry and said, Of all women, you are the most blessed, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Why should I be honoured with a visit from the mother of my Lord? From the moment your greeting reached my ears, the child in my womb leapt for joy. Yes, blessed is she who believed that the promise made her by the Lord would be fulfilled. And Mary said, my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit exalts in God my Saviour, because he has looked upon his lowly handmaid. Yes, from this day forward all generations will call me blessed, for the Almighty has done great things for me. Holy is his name, and his mercy reaches from age to age for those who fear him. He has shown the power of his arm, he has routed the proud of heart. He has pulled down princes from their thrones and exalted the lowly. The hungry he has filled with good things, the rich sent empty away. He has come to the help of Israel, his servant, mindful of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, of his mercy to Abraham and his descendants forever. Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months and then went back home. The Gospel of the Lord. We may think that the, uh, the dogma of the Assumption is relatively new because it was declared by the Church as a statement of faith to be believed in 1950. Pope Pius XII's declaration was, was, of course, taken from much earlier works and writings. So it's not really a new thing, it was just given kind of a, a more of a status of understanding as faith in the church. The Assumption of Mary has been a popular theme throughout our history. Often religious art from around the medieval period referred to this as the Dormition, the falling asleep of Mary, and pictures were often depicting that falling asleep, that she is taken into God's hands and that he is caring for her, and she is united with him in heaven. Such depictions were, of course, quite popular during the Black Death, when there was a great series of unrest in society, and there were a great deal of, of people fighting one with another. And so, consequently, this was therefore giving people some understanding of hope in that turmoil that was going on around them, when that pandemic, which took out one third of the whole of Europe, we complain about pandemics today, but perhaps we should realize that 
in, in comparison to the numbers that were killed with the Black Death, it was considerably higher. Of course, not making light of what we have understood today as being a bit of a pandemic now. But of course, this wonderful proclamation by the church in 1950 also came at a period of unrest and turmoil. A few years, perhaps just around about four after the Second World War, when people really did need to find something in which to hope, something to look forward to. So yes, in artwork it found its ways onto walls of churches back then, and of course, we've now been dis discovering them, of course, recently, of course, because um, after Oliver Cromwell went round with a white paintbrush and painted over everything, people are now going, oh, look, we've got a doom painting on the wall. How fantastic. So these things are coming to light once again, that Mary is in God's hands. And that's the understanding that we will be too. It's all about our remaining faithful to the faith that we have been given, that we are indeed faithful to the church, to her teachings, then we, as she, as part of God's creation, can expect to join her with our place in heaven. That's the hope and promise of what it brings. So St Paul, in his wonderful epistle to the Corinthians, is writing about very much in this section, a whole chapter in fact, devoted to the resurrection of the flesh, it might seem impossible to understand, but at the time he's writing this, members of the church were actually denying that there had been a resurrection. Now, of course, it's quite a central part of the Gospels, but it's also a very central part of our creed that we also recite as well, um, week by week in the church. If Christ did not rise from the dead, the evil in the world that came about because of the fall of Adam would never be undone there would be no hope for us. So it's kind of very, well, it's kind of ridiculous that people should be thinking that when he's writing to them, having experienced and seen the risen Lord himself, he's therefore trying to convey to the church the importance of that. Mary is often also referred to as the new Eve. Why so? Because her son is considered the second Adam. Because from Adam and Eve, when death came into the world through disobedience, that they disobeyed God, they took from the tree, and I don't care who blamed who, whether it was the serpent, the woman, the man, or the, it doesn't matter. The fact is that nobody wanted to take responsibility for the fact they had free will and didn't listen really to God. So disobedience enters the world. But through the obedience of Mary, through the obedience of Mary, Christ enters our world. The understanding, of course, is that Jesus is referred to as the second Adam because of the obedience of his mother. The first fruits, which Paul refers to, is the consecration of the first sheaf given at a harvest time. Paul likes that phrase about, speaks very often of the first fruits, and it is indeed that 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 is first offered to God means that everything that then follows from that harvest but is also consecrated and given over to God. So yes, the understanding of all those that follow in faith with Christ are equally as consecrated to God as indeed Christ is. And so his mother, therefore, is indeed, finds her important place in heaven. The Greek word that Paul uses is one of pledged. That that is pledged to God is indeed given over to him. And so... When we look at the crucifix hanging here, 
what do we see? We see a bag of bones at the bottom, don't we? Whose bones are they then? They're Adam's. If Christ is the second Adam, the bones of Adam that caused sin to enter the world, are then the, that understanding of sin is taken away through the second Adam, through Jesus Christ. Just as all men die in Adam, he says, so all men will be brought to life in Christ. So the next time somebody asks you, whose bones are those at the bottom of a, that skull and crossbones at the bottom of your crucifix? You can say, ah, yes, they're Adam's. Because we are redeemed that death entered the world through Adam, but through the second Adam, Jesus Christ, we are given that hope and promise of resurrection. Mary is the highest in creation because by a singular act of grace, she was chosen by means of, of God who entered the world, entered our world, conceived by the Holy Spirit. Jesus' birth leads us into a deeper understanding of the action of God in our world. God literally pitched his tent amongst us. He comes into our world in a real and personal way as the person of Jesus Christ, in order that he might lead us from sin and death to the promise of life eternal, to resurrection. Our keeping faith in him and that promise is, of course, instrumental in the whole of that coming about. Mary trusted in God. She had faith. Her soul magnifies the Lord and brings into sharp focus the very things we need to do. She said yes. She had free will. She could have said no. Then what would have happened? But no, it is because of her obedience to God that she allows the Son of God to come into our world. The world becomes flesh to dwell amongst us. That is the important place of Mary in the church. It is because of her response, because of her fiat, as they often say in Latin, that we are honoured in the church and she is honoured in the church by the presence of Christ in our world. The word of God is allowed to become part of her own flesh and then enters our world that we might become a part of God's promise and that kingdom, that we too might find salvation through Jesus Christ. So yes, our prayers for Mary and to Mary are because we are her children. We pray to Mary because she is our mother. Where she has gone, we hope to follow. We recognise that it is Jesus' life and, the, and his power that saves us. And we also recognise that Mary was given to us at the foot of the cross to be our mother as well. We are called upon here to pray for Mary to her son. She intercedes for us. May our prayers always be heard to our mother because she indeed has the ear of her son. Perhaps today when we think of the assumption, we should pray also for those who do not know or understand the power of the resurrection or have an understanding of our Christian faith. It promises us so much more than just what is here on earth. It promises us, through her gift really, life eternal. Mary, Mother of God, pray for us.